0: The following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship, St. Pete and St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. This morning, if you are able to go to the Faith Fellowship website, my transcripts are there, so you can follow that. And I want to thank people who are listening or even reading online. Uh, we have a lot of overseas listeners and even folks all over the United States who follow us on the Internet. If you're a first-time visitor here, I'm not going to make you raise your hand or put a thing saying you're new. Uh, but we have these things called connection cards and these QRT cards uh, in the seat backs in front of you. Fill them out. Uh, we're not going to bombard you with emails or phone calls. It's just a record of that you, you were with us this morning. And also, if you have any prayer needs, it's a a great way to uh, let us know uh, what your prayer requests are, or even um, praises. Praise reports are always good to hear, too. Um, So this morning, we're going to be talking about, in in the book of uh, Luke, uh, chapter 14, uh, verses 25 to 35, and we're going to talk about discipleship. uh, Discipleship. I want to start off with a story that I heard a while back. Uh, There were two long-standing church members. They're in a boat fishing with a new Christian. And while they're passing time, each one of these men would uh, share about his faith in the Lord and his devotion to God. And as they were discussing their faith, one of the guy's hats blew into the water. So he stood up, calmly stepped into the water, walked over, got his hat and picked it up, brushed off the water... And walked back to the boat. So the new Christian is really amazed because this looks like this fellow is walking on water. So the new Christian's thinking about that, and the the other church member's hat falls off into the water, and he very calmly steps into the water and walks over, gets his hat, picks it up, knocks it off, and walks back into the boat. So the new Christian was totally overwhelmed at how spiritual these guys had to be because they. Walked on water. Well, knowing that he had a newfound love for the Lord, he thought, well, if these guys can do it, then I can do it too. So he kind of helped his hat fall into the water. And he very calmly stepped out of the boat and immediately sank, and he's inhaling water instantly. And as he's fighting to get to the service, he's gasping for breath. One of the old deacons looks to the other one and says, you know, I think we should have told him about the sandbar on the other side of the boat. Uh, and, I, and I tell you that because there are so many new Christians uh, who are in excited members who make a decision for Christ and they begin strong for the Lord and in, in His work, but after a while, uh, this tends, this is this, something happens and they realize that <clears throat> this Christian walk or their ministry or even their lifestyle is uh, not as easy as it first may appear. And slowly we see them disappear or their commitment begins to decay. Now, in my Bible, uh, it says under these passages, the cost of discipleship. And folks, there is a cost. There is a cost. And, you know, it's as though when we step out of the boat, we get engulfed and Satan starts hitting us and knocking us about. Well, this morning I want to talk very basically, about the cost of discipleship. And and our text would be Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 35. So it'll be on the screen. Uh, If not, uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, it's in there too, I guarantee you. And so it says this, Now great crowds accompanied him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, and wife and children, and brothers and sisters, and yet even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Verse 27 says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And for which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the costs, whether he has enough materials and monies to complete it. And otherwise, when he's laid the foundation, he's not able to finish. And all who see it begin to mock him. They say, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out into an encounter against another king in war will not sit down and first deliberate whether he has, he's able to have 10,000 meet him when he comes across 20,000? And if not, while the others are a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has, all that he has, cannot be my disciple. Verse 34 says, Salt is good, but if salt loses its taste, how shall its saltiness be resolved, restored? And then verse 35 says, it is no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So this morning I have two very important questions. First, what is discipleship? Well, one dictionary definition says, one who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another. A devout or devoted follower, as one who is sold out to the cause. So this morning, the question I have for you is, are you listening? Do you care what the Bible says regarding this hard subject? And Jesus said it best in, in Luke 14:35: He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, and this phrase is found many times when Jesus was teaching a difficult passage uh, that's hard to understand. You know, if you're anything like me, we don't like to be told what we can and cannot do. That's Cindy's spiritual gift to point that out to me. (laughs) But, But especially when it comes to being dependent on another person. And Jesus says, are you listening? Do you care? So Jesus, let me give you a little bit of the setting here. Jesus is invited to the house of one of the prominent Pharisees for a meal. And while the Pharisees were trying to catch Jesus contradicting the teaching of the law, the crowds were really interested in what he was saying. And Jesus began teaching salvation and discipleship. And I believe, folks, that I think it's important to understand the theme of this lesson from Jesus. In verse 25 it says, Great crowds are following Jesus. Yet, while teaching on the the topic of being a disciple, three times Jesus states that one cannot be his disciple unless he does certain things. Verse 26 says, He cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, cannot be my disciple. Verse 33, cannot be my disciple. Isn't it great that we have a God that tells us his expectations for us, and then mercifully tells us how we can do it? That the consequences are, if you don't do this, you can't be my disciple. There's no, there's no waiting for the other shoe to drop. Jesus tells them very clearly, you do this, you can be my disciple. You don't do this, you can't be my disciple. And it says two things. And uh, walking with Jesus is not the same as salvation. It's pretty obvious that while the crowds may have had some believers in there, and some that were even excited, they were not really sold out. We got the Super Bowl coming up next week, and... The Eagles, you know why they spell Eagles E-A-G-L-E-S? Because they can't spell Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> if you're from Philadelphia, you understand that. <laughs> but, you know, it's, you know, why did Jesus... Well, I guess what I wanted to say, though, was football players are completely sold out. If you're an A-team sport, you, you're sold out. You, you're going to give it all you can You're left at the end of the day on the field just totally whipped and you've depleted all your energy. But why did Jesus go to such lengths to explain that there were certain conditions to be met to be a disciple? In John chapter 6, Jesus was teaching a group of at least 72 disciples on what it meant to be a follower. And Jesus had been teaching who he was And why he was sent. And what it took to be saved. As well you know, think about this. As well as performing many miracles, including the feeding of 5,000, we have to look at what takes place in John 6, verses 60 through 66. When many of the disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The word that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And verse 64 says, But there were some of you who did not believe. For Jesus knew from the very beginning there were going to be those who did not believe, and he also knew who was going to betray him. In verse 66 he says, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And after this many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Have you ever counted the cost to do something? To do something, that you have to say, what's this going to cost me? You know, they all wanted to walk with Jesus, this crowd. And they even believed in his message. But they couldn't handle the cost. Don't we have to do that sometimes too? What is the cost to be a Christ follower? Perhaps you've been going to church regular and even do all the things that Christians ought to do, but you've never really accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you started to believe, but you never really invited Jesus into your heart. The question is, are you really reborn? And Jesus says, you can never be my real disciple until you do so. Folks, do so today. If you haven't, it's the most important decision you can make in your life. But there's another reason why Jesus would continue to make this warning. Because salvation is not the same as discipleship. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 14 and 15 say, If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. And if it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Notice what Paul doesn't say here. One in this state will himself be saved. He doesn't say that. Doesn't say it at all. He's actually telling us, if we live a life of sin, we're never really going to be able to grow. In Galatians 3, verse 3, are you so foolish at the beginning with the Spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Friday, we did a, we, we teach TNTs, and the kids get this. There's nothing we can do that can get our salvation. Well, I guess there is. We can accept we can decide to accept Christ as our Savior. But it doesn't matter how often you come to church. It doesn't matter how many programs you take part in. It doesn't matter how much money you give to the church. Any of that stuff. It's not our human effort. We begin with the Holy Spirit, who Jesus calls our comforter, our helper, our teacher. The Galatians had obviously been saved, and they began strong But it didn't take very much for them to be pulled out of focus. Anybody have that problem? Can't see the forest because of the trees? You know, we we just decide we're going to do something, and we're going to give our life to the Lord, and we're going to do all this stuff. And then, as soon as it gets hard, we start questioning ourselves again. Nowhere in Scripture does it say, and I've checked a couple of times, just to make sure I was right. It doesn't say this life is going to be easy. It talks about temptations, trials, tribulations. Discipleship only comes after salvation, in my opinion. But salvation doesn't guarantee it either. You can get saved and have do nothing. So what's it take for one... ...for me to become a disciple. Christ asked the question... ...do you have ears? Are you interested? And the big question is... ...what is the cost of discipleship? And Jesus describes what I believe... ...are four parts of discipleship. Discipleship means submission. And if you look at verse 26... ...it says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, and wife and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, even his whole lo- own life, he cannot be my disciple. Sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? Harsh. The word hate here isn't literally as we think of the word hate. Jesus is simply saying, if you're forced to pick between your family for me i win jesus has to win and listen family is not is just one example for jesus saying nothing can come in front of one's love devotion dedication and commitment to him discipleship means putting christ first allowing him ...to take care of your family. Allowing Him to take care of your relationships, your friends, your work, your money, and on and on. And would you not agree with me that that's a high cost to pay? It is. Is it too high of a cost or too high of a price for each and every one of us? So discipleship means submission... discipleship also means as it talks about in verse 27 means death verse 27 says whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple what's it mean to bear his cross anybody crickets die to oneself it i think It means a daily identification with Christ in surrendering to His will and not my will. And it's a daily. Sometimes, you know, it's almost hourly. You know? We have to do that. You know, a cross is something that we willingly accept from God as part of His will for our lives. I did a little bit of back study on this and when the Roman Empire crucified a criminal or a captive the victim was often forced to carry his cross part way to the execution site and carrying his cross through the heart of the city was supposed to be an act of admission to the Roman Empire that the Roman Empire was correct in the sentence of death imposed upon him and which was an admission that Rome was right and he was wrong. So when Jesus says, one must carry their cross and follow him, he's referring to this public display before others that Jesus was right, and it was the one that was, and we are willing to follow him at all costs, including death. Anybody agree with that? Yeah, we say it, but do we really mean it? Because when it gets tough, what's our default? We sometimes say, well, it's too hard. There's nothing easy about being a Christian. But the great thing is Christ doesn't say, just do it. He tells us how we can do it how we can accomplish that. And that's exactly what the religious leaders of Jesus' time were refusing to do. But I want you to notice one thing that's very important. Carrying one's cross is not a one and done. It's a consistent thing. We look to and focus on the cross every moment, and that's the only way we can resist the devil and his bag of tricks. Discipleship also means dependence. Notice that, and if you look at verses 28 to 33, neither man finishes what he starts. You know, I live in Gulfport, and in downtown, well, towards the marina, there's a guy that he decided, he had a novel approach, he was going to build his house out of 53-foot long shipping containers so he builds like two story high well guess what it got too tough it's going to cost more money then he had to go through all the regulatory things and guess what the house is never going to be completed he just walked away part of the cost of discipleship is realizing that we don't have what it takes to finish it either we can't do things on our own. I know I can't. I don't know about you. Maybe you can, but I, I know. We, I believe we are brought to a realization that total dependence on Jesus is required for, finish, for reaching the finish line. You know, Apostle Paul uses uh, a lot of athletic events, running races. And there's a reason for that, because we can, we can understand that. Um, I don't see Rick. Anybody here ever run a marathon or a half marathon or a triathlon? Been there, done that. You wouldn't tell today by my stealth figure, svelte figure. But you know, we were sharing this morning in in um, get ready. There comes a point when you run the marathon. It's usually about at the twi- twenty mile mark, and you hit what's called hitting the wall, and your body is just screaming. Can't do this anymore, whatever. And I always used to rationalize it with myself saying, you know, you've run a ton of miles to get to this point. Just finish it. Just go through with it. But, you know, there's a lot of people at that wall. They just walk off. They just walk off the the course. To me, why did you train all that much if you weren't going to finish the race? In our race... You know who our strength is? Our strength is our total dependence on Jesus to cross that finish line. And Jesus cautions those who hear his message that they must consider the cost of being a disciple. Has anybody ever been told there is a cost to being a Christ follower? You know, there are countries in the world today that you can be executed or imprisoned for being a Christ follower and telling people that you're a Christ follower? We got it pretty easy, folks. We live in the United States of America. We got this thing called the First Amendment, the right to say believe and do whatever we want to do. But you know what? We don't, I don't think, and this is not my political science class, but... I don't believe we really have, as humans, American citizens, ever really been totally challenged on the cost. Yeah, things might be tough. You might not be invited to the best parties because people know you're a Christ follower. You know, you might walk into a. <laughs> when I lived in the panhandle, uh, Wednesday mornings at the Hardee's, the only Hardee's, uh, all these old fellows, we—I used to call them the Senate. They would go there and discuss all the, the ills of the world. Well, they asked me to come every now and then, so I come. And as soon as I walked through the door, I always heard this: Up, "Watch your tongues, guys. The preacher boy's here." Okay, <laughs> you know, you, you don't, don't don't be quiet because of me. Be quiet because you're dishonoring God, using vile language and, and things. But, you know, we have, there is a cost to being a Christ follower. And I don't believe we've truly been tested as a nation on that. Yeah, you can say, well, back in World War II and back in Vietnam and and back at 9 11, but those were short, you know, (laughs) if you ask a typical college kid today, when did World War II start for the United States of America and when did it end? You probably hear crickets, because it was in a big picture of things, it was a fleeting period of time. We need to be prepared for the cost. And how do you get prepared for the cost? Well, it talks about the the, the man that's going to build a tower. If you're going to build a house, don't you need to make sure you have enough money to do it that you have the plans to do it? You've totally taken everything into account, unlike the man in Gulfport who just walked away from his project, project. Because he really didn't count the cost. Pop quiz. Is it easy being a Christ follower? No, yes. Should it be easy to be a Christ follower? Yeah, it should. I would think God, you, God, he doesn't make all these crazy rules that say you can't do this. He says to you, if you want to follow me, you can't do this. And that's important to know what we can and cannot do. Does that not show God's mercy to us? That he's not like, oh, I, I meant to tell you that you have to do this too. He's very upfront with what it takes to be a Christ follower. It's very upfront of what it takes to be his disciple. And you know what I think? One of the reasons why many have failed is because they don't consider the cost from the start. It's so one of the most important decisions, if not the most important decision you can make in your in your life, is to become a Christ follower. And we disciple people, and we have classes, and we talk to people, and we have the Scripture. But when you became a Christ follower, I can tell you this, when I became a Christ follower, I didn't know all the rules. They ended up being passed down to me. I, I, I learned the rules. But God is very, very open. He says, hey, you want to follow me, forget about... He's saying, and it sounds harsh to hate your family, to hate your... He's not saying that hate in a way we construe it. He's saying, don't put anybody else before me. That's a radical concept, isn't it? I have to trust God. I can't trust Fred Fitzgerald to make all the right decisions because I'm left to my own designs. I'll mess it up. Uh, Trust me on that. Ask Cindy, she'll she'll validate that. (laughs) I said I wasn't going to do this to you today, but I'm doing it anyway, tough. You can preach when you want, but you'll do it on the way home, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, You should believe those car rides, I'll tell you. (laughs) You know, and I, I think that's why many new Christians, they fail because they don't, actually consider what they're about to enter what kind of relationship discipleship basically means dying to and dying of yourself on a daily basis but I want to do this the Lord says you can't do that, don't do that that's not honoring me we have to learn on a daily, and in my case, almost minute by minute, what it means to be in submission to Jesus Christ. Learning what makes it completely dependent on Jesus and on his lifestyle. You know, when, when you read Scripture, isn't it amazing? And it, it, I was thinking about this earlier this morning. When we think about 33 A.D., they're kind of backwards, right? They didn't have like you couldn't be any good there, Carmelo, because they didn't have internet. You know? They weren't very sophisticated people. Yet Christ's teachings were as applicable then as they are today. They pass through time. But don't we make them harder? Because we wanna we wanna help God out. God doesn't need our help. If no one's told you that He doesn't need it. He wants you to obey Him. He wants you to follow Him. He wants you to love Him. Now does that mean we don't make mistakes? Sure. We make mistakes daily. But you know what we're supposed to do? Is we're going we should shake the dust off our shoes and continue to strive for Christ. If you play a team sport, you know. It's a, do you know that in baseball, if you hit, if you thirty-three, three what's it? Thirty-three, three 330, 330. That means six times out of ten, you're striking out or making an out. You you know one third of it you're playing good ball, right? I'm glad God doesn't grade on the curve because I will make mistakes on a daily basis. And when I make these mistakes, I have to humble myself and say, God, I made a mistake. We have to submit to Him by being completely honest do you, we can't hide anything from God. He knows what we've done and what we're going to do and whether we're sincere or we're just paying it lift service. We need to remember that we will make mistakes and we can't fix them by ourselves 90% of the time, I would say. We have to have Christ in our lives to be able to continue to be Christ-like. Discipleship also means... Distinction. Now, and that we'll talk about that in verses uh, 34 and 35. I love cowboy movies. I've got like John Wayne, Randolph Scott. They're pretty close. Anybody like Randolph Scott? Great, great guy. So I was watching this Randolph Scott movie the other day. And, you know, the ranchers, guys that had cattle, they hated the farmers. They called them sodbusters. And you know what they would do to drive off the sodbusters? They would salt their fields. Because when you salted the field, you essentially ruined the field. You know, and in biblical times, much as it is today, salt was used as a seasoning and as a preservative. Again, Cindy tells me, I. Hey, use too much salt. What's your big thing? You haven't even taken a bite and you're already dumping salt on it. It's the way I am. It's my DNA. I'm flawed. <laughs> and I admit it. <laughs> not that you know... I'm not even going to go there. But the salt came mostly from the salt marshes in the area that was back then in Jesus' time a little bit to the southwest of the Dead Sea. And this impure salt was susceptible to deterioration, and it could lose its flavor, leaving it basically as useless crystals. And that salt was simply thrown away. It was no good. You couldn't recharge it. Jesus' question was, how can it be made salty again? The answer is obvious, but Jesus gave one to them that they would understand. He said, it is fit neither for soil nor for the manure pile. Pretty much useless. Pretty harsh comparisons, too. You know, Jesus, we talked about this this morning. Jesus used uh, sometimes what we call today hyperbole, where he'll say, hate your parents, or hate this, or poke out your eye, or Chop your hand off. Was he really advocating for that? No. What he's saying is you need to have a circumcision of your heart. Change the way you do things. But when it came to the salt, that's pretty harsh. It's not, you can't use it to eat or cook, and it's not even worth going on a manure pile. So what's the lesson? To be the flavor of life. One must be a disciple, one set apart for duty. So many Christians and don't mean to be harsh, but they blend into the world and lose their flavor. I'm glad we come to a church and we're able to worship at a church that does not dilute Scripture. We don't tickle your ears. We don't tell you things that you want to hear. The pastors made it very clear we preach the Bible. And don't change a word of it because you look in Revelation, that's not good. (laughs) Don't change a word of this or whatever. But Jesus says it's the, the Christian blending into the world... It's the same as the salt losing its flavor and its worthiness. You know, anybody have an accomplishment that they really feel good about? You know, I was a Marine. Loved being a Marine. Still am a Marine. Just waiting orders. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, or you might be, uh, whatever it is. Well, we should put as much work and effort into being the best disciple we can, following Christ, as we do anything else. But far too often, we don't. That doesn't even enter our our wheelhouse. We we think about other things. The question I want to ask you this morning, and take it home, digest it. Let it percolate for a little bit. Am I being a sold-out disciple for the cause of Christ? I can't answer that question for you. I can only answer it for myself. But isn't that, if we really believe that Jesus came to earth to wipe away our sin debt, to take the debt that we could not pay... Should we, and if we believe that he 's Lord of Lord and King of Kings, should we not be able to let our example the way we act reflect Christ, but do we you know being the salt of the earth means a couple of things it 's giving the disciple the tools they need to grow in Christ it means totally committing yourself to the church God called you to serve at. Are you doing everything you can at this church? Are you a a pew sitter or are you a doer? There are so many opportunities that we can do here. I'll do it, (laughs) you know. Do it. But Are we completely sold out to supporting our local church? Are we completely sold out to using our gift to help prepare us to be what God has chosen us to be? You know, we all have spiritual gifts, right? Cindy's, as I said, is to make sure that she knows when I'm wrong. She does. But you know, We have spiritual gifts. Each one is unique to us. Are we using our spiritual gifts for the cause of Christ? Is there a ministry in this church that needs your help? Here's a shameless plug for Awana. We have a huge Sparky's ministry. I think there was like 25 kids. Do you know what it's like having Kids that age is like herding cats, you know. And when you amp them up with some sugar, it's even better. <laughs> That's how we make sure the parents come and get them, because if they don't, we just give them more sugar. No, that I don't do that. But what can you do? Well, you can come and sit and listen to the kids recite their verses. You can help with snacks. You can become a teacher. You can do games. Those are just right off the top. Well, I'm too busy. I work all week, and Friday night's the beginning of my playtime. Really, folks? I applaud the people in this church that have started all... you Jerry with Overcomers, and Judy with her prayer thing, and Sharon with her prayer thing, and... and this sweet couple starting grief share and young adults. You know what You know what limits us? Us. We need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want to do? You know, I'm pretty sure I read this in the Old Testament. Who should I send? Send me, Lord. I don't think anybody would ever be told, nah, we have enough help. Now, I appreciate you, but we'll get back to you. No, no, don't tell me, because I'll, <laughs> I'll find something for you to do real quick. But we have to be prepared to use our gifts. And by doing that, it means using your gift to help others be who God has chosen them to be. We all have experience, some good, some great, and some not so good. But can we not help someone not make the same mistake over and over again by saying, been there, done that, and let me tell you, this doesn't work? Be there for people. Love God, love people. You know, it doesn't take a whole lot of salt to ruin a bunch of food. We had stew the other night, which... Oh, I remember Cindy saying well this is really salty it was awful I I ate it I said this is great great (laughs) water (laughs) but you know too much salt can ruin a meal so we have to do things with moderation so what is the cost of discipleship The cost of submission, very easy, giving control of all one's possessions to Christ. Wow. How about the cost of life? Daily denying yourself to yourself and replacing that spiritual death with the joy of Christ. Does Christ not bring joy to our lives? I know he does to mine. Amen? Got one today. We're going good. But there's also the cost of dependence. Realizing that you don't have what it takes to be a disciple of Christ on your own. Christ, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, the Triune Godhead will give you what you need if you seek Him. And you take the I out of it, and we say, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do I follow you? He'll answer you. And we might not like those answers, because could be we're going to have to give up some stuff. Then there's the cost of distinction. The flavor of life by being who God has called us to be. Here's an insightful question you can talk about on your way home. What has God called us individually to be? In the business world, they call it, what is your mission statement? What is your purpose? Is this something that we just keep in our bookcase and, okay, it's Sunday, i got to take my Bible, or do we ever read this during the week? What does God want us to do? So are you listening this morning? If the worship team would come up, um, I want to finish with an application point. Do we hold on to what we have because we don't believe that there are better things in store for us? Let me put it this way. Are we settling for immediate satisfaction? We live in I-want-it-now society. Anybody ever go to McDonald's or a drive through and you're there for like three minutes waiting and you start hitting, this is supposed to be fast food? Well, I'm thinking about that. You know, I really hope they cook it instead of giving me a, a cold hamburger, you know. But... The question is, we live in this society that we want instant gratification for whatever we're doing. God's economy is not our economy. We we have to fit into His plan, not Him fitting into our plan. Does that make sense? So, what plan does God have for you? Do we pay the cost Preparing to be spiritually mature Christians, a discipleship of a disciple of Christ. Do we pursue the will of God to accomplish His purpose? When I was called into the ministry, I was convinced that this was he, God had the wrong Fred Fitzgerald. It was like no 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 no, <laughs> not me. But you know what? After submitting to Him, it be very clear that God's got a plan. We just have to let Him work it through us so we become more like Him. We need to trust God for everything. Not just the little things. Everything we need. To, this, God is not the deceiver. Satan is the deceiver. God has a plan for each and every one of us. The challenge is finding out what that purpose is for me. And then, not just figure out, okay, this is what the Lord wants me to do, but then, go do it. A lot of us have the want to, but our do it Buttons not working right. We, we think about what we should do, what we really think the Lord wants us to do, but that's going to be too hard. Too hard. Well, I don't really, I don't know the Bible well enough. Well, keep reading it. Ask for inspiration from, the Holy, from God the Father. He'll make these things known to us. Once we've experienced what God has to offer—the living water—we need to tell other people this. Anybody ever see those old pumps, farmhouses? We had. What did you have to do? You had to prime the pump, right? We should be priming the pump, but you know there is a cost, and we will struggle with the cost. There have been more days in my life, that seemed to make no sense whatsoever. Why am I doing this? Well, because I'm being obedient to God, and God told me to do it, and I I should do it. You know, in closing, I just got a a couple of things here. If we stand together, if we grow together, if we work together, if we're lifting each other up, we will together become the church that God has called. When we look back, especially at the cost, we should really be able to smile and say, you know what? Wow, that was worth it. My friends, I pray this morning that you do a deep dive into what God wants you to do, then what are the hindrances to doing what God wants you to do and asking Him to take away those hindrances? Because He will. But we have to... You know, sometimes I think as Christians we're like fingernail deep when it's really deep, deep. We sometimes just don't even scratch the surface. This morning, I don't know where you stand with the Lord. That's between you and God. Now, if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, do it today. Because we're not guaranteed another breath. And I love you, and I told you I like you, and I sure want to see you in heaven. You know, even some guys that I really don't like that much, I'd rather see them in heaven than hell. But you have to make that decision on your own. Am I going to be a Christ follower? Do I trust Him with my life? He gave His for us. Don't we owe Him our loyalty, our commitment, our honor, our praise, our worship? Ask yourself today, what are the hindering blocks or the stumbling points that keep me from doing all those things? And if you go to the Lord, I know He will provide you with the the ingredients you need to become fully functioning Christ followers. I pray this, and I just pray that the Lord uses you all in a mighty way today.